0: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What is up, everybody? Welcome into the DMVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Look at that. Three days.
1: Three days?
0: It's what? really like 30 hours before we get on a plane, but three days. I know. I was, I was talk talking
1: there. to Kale earlier. He goes, 48 hours from now, we will be on a 10-hour flight.
0: Yeah, absolutely crazy. But we have a special show, not just because we're going to Belgrade, to Serbia here in a couple of days, but we have a very special guest joining Harrison and I. Um, I don't even know if you know this, Rafal, but you are something of an international man of mystery amongst the diehard (laughs) Denver Nuggets fans. Uh, So very excited to have you on. International scout for the Denver Nuggets, Rafal Juke. Hey, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Did you did you know this, that you have a certain amount of mystique amongst Nuggets fans as the guy who's in Europe, you know, the guy with all the real intel on what's going on?
2: Hey, it counts for the job. You know, you got to lay low, uh, just stay low key, just be in the background. You know, I know my place in the pecking order. Pretty much my job is to be all eyes and ears for, for my boss. So uh, I don't really do much media. I want to say it's probably my first interview with, uh, with Denver Media. So, in, in a sense, you guys are special. I know Harrison uh, did a piece on me in the past, but that was obviously uh, writing. So, I, I'm, I'm pretty excited to be on
1: here. I, I also think, Raffle. correct me if I'm wrong, but you and Tommy, are you guys like the longest tenured Nuggets front office people? You, you, you've been here from the beginning, right?
2: Yeah, I, I've been actually going through team pictures, you know, the other day. And I'm, I'm, I'm about to start my season number 10. And from wow. that original crew that Tim Connelly brought in, uh, it's only myself, Tommy, uh, Ben Tenzer, and Jim Klebanov, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, And some people may not even recognize me because back then I had that Justin Bieber haircut, and a lot <laughs> of things have changed over the time, but it's still me. And uh, yeah, we keep on rolling, man. Nice.
0: It is interesting, though, because, you know, organizations change, they evolve, players come in, coaches come in, people go. And so for you now to be in 10 years, it's actually pretty special. I... I I don't know what percentage of people stay with one organization for a full decade, but it's very few. I would guess probably 2 or 3% of all people that come through. So there is a lot of knowledge that comes with you being at every single level here. Um, I want to talk to you, though. I want to cut it. I have a lot of great questions for you because I think what you do is so interesting. And what what I one of the things I want to start with is what is your season schedule or your annual schedule look like? When is the busy part? And what are you up to right now? Like, what, where are we at in your annual cycle of scouting? What is the summer months like for you? You know, we always say, and it also goes
2: with a hashtag, you know, scouting never stops. And uh, it's, it's an ongoing process. Uh, I love my job. And, you know, out of respect for people who work nine to five, I always say just a lifestyle. So even though if I have a day off, I, I'll be watching games, I'll be on the phone, I'll be collecting intel, writing reports, and that's exactly what I'm doing these days. You guys actually caught me on a on my uh first year anniversary of my wedding so it's already the first success Rats. i didn't get divorced yet you know that's what some <laughs> of the scouts told me just watch out because this job is it's gonna eat your life and uh hopefully uh i'm gonna be a great example for everybody who can combine both you know a great private life and also successful stint as a as an international scout it's not an easy job because a lot of people think okay you're an NBA scout, so you watch a lot of NBA games, and most of the games I scout, they're well below the NBA level. Sometimes you gotta go to Sweden, Norway, watch second division summer, you know, go to the small gym in the middle of winter. So it's not really a glamorous job, but I just love it. Uh, right now it's almost end of the season. So my calendar year, like for most of the people, goes from January till December. For me, pretty much the season starts in uh, in September. That's the beginning of my new year. So I'm almost about to start a new scouting season. So now is a good time to recharge some batteries, uh, get some, you know, rest and just uh, keep on
0: rolling. Do you still like it? I mean, your job is exhausting. You're on a plane a lot. You're traveling a lot. Do you still like it the way you did 10 years ago? Has your love for it evolved? Like, how, What is your energy like for doing this This traveling all the time? Oh, I love it even more, you know. this This job is so unique.
2: Every single trip is so different, even though you go to the same cities. I would say basketball is a great platform that takes me to all these beautiful places. I was able to make some friends for life, uh, unbelievable memories, and especially the people I work with. You know, these are the people I would go on a war with, uh, and especially now with Calvin uh, bringing in some new people, and he's gonna give some flavor to this organization on his own. Uh, it's almost like some you know fresh blood. So. Even though I've been working for this organization for ten years, I've been working pretty much under Tim Connolly. Then was Arturas Karnishovas, who was managing me directly. Now it's going to be Calvin. So over that stint, I had three different bosses. Each one of them was different. Each one of them taught me so much, and uh, my my energy level, even though maybe I'm not showing it, uh, is is still pretty high. I would say.
0: What is it? What does it take to be a good scout, in your opinion? What are some of the characteristics? I mean, a love of basketball, I imagine, is a, is a must. And I also imagine. A lot of people get into it thinking they love basketball, and then they realize, "Hey, this is—you got to be twenty-four-seven basketball." So, what what are some things you think make for a good scout? Well, I, I actually studied uh, journalism
2: college, and I think it gave me a great preparation because in in this job, you got a lot of notes. Uh, you got to prepare yourself for every trip. Uh, you got to be organized. Uh, you just got to be, you know, self effective. And pretty much what I'm trying to achieve is to be self efficient. In, in a way that I don't have to bother my boss too much, uh, that he knows even though I'm pretty much all along on my own because pretty much I operate as an independent department of the NAGAT organization. Technically, you're a part of a team, but you know practically you're on your own. So we don't really work on a team schedule. You don't go to the office, uh, and it's almost like you know getting ready for the high school exam. You cannot do it over the night. You got to do it uh, in terms of the process. You got to get ready for the whole season. So I would say a good scout is a good communicator. Because uh, pretty much my job is to collect all the information and pass it along. You know, some guys like it in writing. Some guys like it when you leave an audio message. Some guys like to get an email. So it's not only about getting the right information, but also making and sending your, your point across.
0: That's who Do you set your own schedule in terms of who you're scouting and where you're going? Or, or to what degree is it you doing that and you being assigned, hey, go here and see this guy, go here and see that guy?
2: Yeah, when I when I started this job and uh I was only twenty one. Uh if I'm not mistaken, I was the youngest NBA scout at that time and that record was uh was was broken, taken from me a couple of years later. Uh which is all right. Uh because you know, being young in that business, especially at that time, wasn't really uh, a great achievement. A lot of people were looking down at you. Still in, in this business, you know, you pretty much we always say in scouting your currency is information, the more you have the richer you are and obviously it comes with an age and experience uh, so so uh i would say over those 10 years i was able to really improve a lot
1: yeah how has it changed going from tim Connolly to calvin booth because you mentioned you worked with tim arturis uh, calvin now I, I know it's still pretty early on in calvin's tenure but how is he different from from tim per se Yeah,
2: you know, first of all, I'm extremely uh, happy to be working for the Nuggets organization because it starts from the top to the bottom. It's a a franchise that is very European pro-friendly, including, you know, Josh Kroenke. I remember early on, I didn't really know who he was, and I remember scanning through our scouting database, and I was like, wow, this guy is doing a pretty good scouting report. And then it turns out this guy is our owner, and he was coming overseas, and he was coming on scouting trips. So, you know, Josh is a basketball guy. And obviously, you can find the best talent in the world. But at the end of the day, you got to convince your head coach, your owner, your GM. And in my case, all those three, for them, it doesn't really matter. I remember we used to say in our office, it doesn't matter if the player is from Kansas or from Kaunas in Lithuania. He's just a basketball player. And I, I would say that approach uh, remains you know, alive to this day. Uh, Calvin is much more process-oriented uh, than Tim, for example. With Tim, was much more informal. Uh, type of discussions phone calls but both are very similar when it comes to european game you know uh calvin wants to see all the kids up close uh for him was fine to bring him over for some workouts and actually for if i'm not mistaken he's been working uh with us for four seasons he was one of the closest guys to me when it comes to reporting to uh he was with me on numerous european trips and uh he's just a basketball guy you know he's uh he's a scout in his heart so those are the easiest guys to work for.
0: Um, what? It, walk me through sort of what 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 are the first steps when you're scouting a player? Is it, you know, you I'm just going to go see this guy in this gym and I'm going to sit in the stands and take notes. Are you reaching out to coaches first? Hey, what can you tell me about the guy? What's it like when you're making a first contact with a player or a first scout of a player?
2: Yeah, so obviously network is crucial. Uh, summertime is a, is a time of Intel gathering. I have pretty much contacts all over the world and I always try to rely on them, making a list of my targets for the upcoming season. Uh, I would say summertime is the busiest time of the year. I just did the math the other day and between June, July and first half of August, I was home only about 10 days. Wow. Because we have and you're still all married.
1: Those... You're still married. Still married, still <laughs> going baby,
2: yeah. Uh, so uh, I, I was gone for so long just because summertime is probably the busiest time of the year for us. You know, every scout is different. I was uh, fortunate and able to pretty much, you know, uh, come up with my own process, how I want to go about things. Sometimes it's always intel gathering, making my own list, list of targets. I always divide guys into different tiers. Priority guys are the guys who are pretty much a first-round talent. Secondary guys who are, you know, second-round or up-and-coming type of prospects. And uh Usually, I just sit back, relax, first month of the season. I just want to take it easy, watch the tape, analyze stats. And European game is so much different because, first of all, you got to understand different levels of competition. And I'm so fortunate that the guys I I report to, which nowadays is Calvin, but also Coach Malm, if I present them a player who averages only four points a game in France, they're not going to shrug their shoulders and say, hey, this guy can play, he probably stinks because they understand. First of all, we are evaluating kids who are playing with grown men in pro leagues. And so their, their roles are much different. And then for me, the key is to be able to evaluate those kids over a certain period of time. As opposed to college, for example, that if we are talking about one and done guy, you got to go of a sample size of maybe only eight months since he put his foot on, a, on the campus. For me, internationally, I start when those kids are 15, and I see how they develop. And which trajectory they take? Whether they go up, they go down. How their body changes? What's the uh, circle of influence, you know, inner filter of those kids? Who is the agent? Who's the handler, so to speak? What's the family situation like? How his body changes? So these are all very important things to be able to put them in perspective. And like we said, you know, the longer you work in this business, the better you will get at it. Just because you can look back, reflect, and look for certain trends that just translate over over time.
0: It was interesting along those same lines when I was researching Kamagate and talking to some of the people in the front office about it. One of the things they kept saying was, you know, the French league, it's a very athletic league. And so, you know, the athleticism part is going to translate this or that. Like, how much do these leagues vary in that way where you can say this skill popping in this league? We know that'll mean this. And, and maybe this part of the, the skill will will pop in that league. How much is that factoring in weighing what league he's in?
2: Oh, I would say pretty much every league in Europe is so different. Uh, sometimes when I have those, you know, multi-cities, uh, multi-day trips, and one day I'm in Serbia and the other day I'm in France, almost like trying like, to pinch myself, is it still the same game? Is it still a game of basketball? Wow. It's almost like for some of the college scouts. One day you watch Big Sky, other day you watch the WCC, and those conferences are so different, you know?
1: Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer at DNVR, uh, you guys know Breck Brew. If you don't know where to get Breck Brew, check out the Breck Brew beer locator. That's on their website. That will tell you where to get Breck Brew, wherever. And make sure to pick up some Avalanche Amber Ale today. I call it the original Breck Brew. I think it's the first Breck Brew I ever had, but uh, it's great, obviously. You can celebrate the Av Stanley Cup with it. Pick up some Avalanche Amber from Breckenridge Brewery. Breck Brew is, of course, the official beer of DNVR. Also at DraftKings Sportsbook right now, guys. College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook to celebrate the best time of the year. New customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly. Win or lose, you can also place the same game parlay first shot at an even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win, which team will score first, and much, much more. DraftKings, of course, is safe, secure, reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code DNVR. Bet just $5 on college football. Get $200 in free bets instantly. Code DNVR. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit. $200 issued as eight $25 free bets. Restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.
0: All right, we're back here. Rafa, I think we have you back. I don't know what happened, but
1: we're back. Yeah, I-,
0: I thought you guys just, you know, cut me off because I was so boring. But uh, <laughs> I'm glad I'm back. <laughs> no, it was interesting, but what you were talking about was the difference in the leagues. And could you, like... What are some of the characteristics? The French League is the most athletic one. What are some of the traits of maybe the other, other leagues?
2: Yeah, you know, I'm not a huge fan of playing
0: the game of stereotypes. When I okay. scout the player,
2: when I evaluate him, I always try to evaluate three factors. His coach, his teammates, and then the player himself. And uh, I think it applies across all the levels, regardless if it's international game or a college game. And the same deal when you do a background on a player or intel, you know, you call one coach, and he says the guy was lazy. You call the other one, and you would say, mm-hmm. I couldn't kick this guy out of the gym. And that's why I always have this rule of three. You know, I always try to call at least his last three head coaches, uh, teammates from last three teams. And the same applies to different teams. Here in Europe, you know, you always say the game is a little bit different because you got to do more having less, which is you have less talent, you have less money, you have less resources. That's why coaches sometimes, you know, get more creative. Obviously, everybody's playing for their life, you know. Most of the coaches and players are just one-year deals, uh, which really puts a lot of pressure on them. And you can imagine playing all these teenage kids. For most of them who are draft eligible is only the first year of their pro experience. They always, it's going to be a slow burn for him, you know. So my rule is I I always want to see those kids at least three times. I remember scouting, for example, Yusuf Nurkic, you know, First time when I went over there, he even struggled to keep it all together. At, at the, he, one of his very first practices, you know, uh, he couldn't catch a wind. He, he was so tired because for him, the jump of level was so high. Everything was so new. You almost see the same process when the international kid comes to NBA. Different terminology, uh, different approach right. of the head coach, different different drills and so on. So that's why I want to see that guy in October january and then ideally right before the draft you know before i recommend somebody to be brought over to denver
1: Hmm.
0: i imagine maybe even cultural adjustments in that way just the dynamics of the nba are very different i I imagine team dynamics are different social dynamics are different the media is different um so how much of a challenge do you think that is for a player who hasn't ever been to the us and doesn't really have a frame of reference to all of a sudden it's going to completely different dynamics Yeah, you know, every guy
2: is different. I remember, for example, Juancho Hernan Gomez, who was already one of the most talented uh, young players in ACB, which is probably the second best league outside NBA in the world. At that time, when he was draft eligible, and when you're looking at him, he was still living with his parents. So Mm -hmm. you would wonder, like, hey, how is this guy going to handle not only the jump to the stage, but being on his own, you know, and all that pro-athlete life. But, again, every guy is different. Uh, I remember it was funny uh we brought juancho eventually we drafted him i went to him to introduce myself and he was like hey you don't even have to introduce yourself because i know you you spoke to my mother you, you spoke to my coach mm. I, I saw you hiding in the cafeteria across our practice court and so on so until the guy is in the draft you cannot really talk to him but you try to collect as much information as you can maybe we're not really pushing it to the limits like the hustle movie show that i would not necessarily go to his uh, primary school and talk to the teacher but obviously, you want to collect as much information as you can. So, as far as the you know c- cultural adjustment, I would say now we are living in era of Netflix, which for me is just you know catch it all phrase that those kids are listening the same music, wearing the same uh, clothes, you know, watching the same shows. And I would actually say some of the international kids are even more and better prepared for NBA uh, grind just because they've been already part of a professional uh, training. Uh, they know what it is to play for your life. They know how to handle the pressure. And some of them, they had to move to a different city, different country at the age of 14, 15, so they can really handle it themselves.
0: Right. That's interesting. You brought it up. So I, I, we had a great question in here from the chat. Just They wanted to know, obviously, you've watched Hustle, and you you mentioned Juancho Hernan Gomez. So you really were wild. Adam Sandler. Like the movie, you, we could say it's actually based on you. <laughs> yeah, you, you saw the guy eating all the freaking fast food after after the games and
2: practices. That was all me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, We actually like to joke about it with all the scouts because obviously that was a common discussion amongst all the international scouts. I probably never got as many messages, even on my wedding day, after the hassle premiere. You know, everybody was like, hey, I just thought about you. Uh, I thought that, that was your story and so on. Obviously, there were some parts of it. And uh, since you brought it up, I, I think it's not really a secret. I actually had an offer to be on the set uh, assistant, a consultant for all the scouting clients and so on. And uh, from all the people in the world, the guy who connected me with the Hollywood people was Tim Connolly. Don't even of ask me. How it of course it was
1: Tim Connolly. Of course it was Tim
2: Connolly. <laughs> you, you saw Del Demps. He was also appeared in that movie. And I yeah. had a chance to be a consultant. But, you know, at that time, there was a draft season. I was preparing for my wedding. I just couldn't do it. I was in the middle of COVID as well. It's a shame, but I recommended a very good friend of mine who was in between jobs at the time, and he actually had a short appearance in that movie. So maybe, you know, wow. that that experience ripped me off my acting career, but <laughs> hopefully, you know, the, the, the Nuggets are at least happy about it. That I'm still working.
1: Oh, that's crazy.
0: In all seriousness, no, that's commitment to the grind. A chance to be a Hollywood yeah. movie star. I think nine out of ten scouts would say, hey, forget the draft. Yes, I'm going to go. Forget the wedding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Forget the wedding, forget the draft, forget all of this. I'm going to be, I'm going to go to Hollywood. Um, you you kind of touched on this just now, but I'm curious how in your 10 years now doing this professionally, how has scouting Europe evolved? Is it more prevalent now? I mean, obviously there's such an influx of great European players, but do you see, has there been big changes to how people scout Europe?
2: Yeah. You know what? It actually uh, varies from organization to organization. Uh, there are still some of them that just, you know, hesitant, uh, going all in. I would say right now we live in era of global game, and now we look at the MVP candidates. All three might be international. The best player in the world is international. So I, I think if you are not really exploring that avenue with international game, you are doing this uh, this favor to your organization and this service. So uh, we just want to be all in. We want to be present everywhere. We want to have our eyes and ears everywhere. And I remember 10 years ago when Arturo Skarnišovas, because he was the man behind the idea. He was the man who actually not only interviewed me, but he also hired me. And then he also groomed me. In a sense, he's my scouting godfather. I remember a lot of people were just rolling eyes and laughing at him. But now looking back, he was a pioneer, you know. I don't say it, brag about myself, but I say it with a big pride that now I have a lot of colleagues from different teams, assistant GM, director of scouting. They call me and, hey, Raf, I want to find somebody like you young hungry ambitious uh who can collect intel who can help who's just up for the challenge you know so uh, i i take a big pride in it that i didn't fail Arturas because at that time that was my main task was not even to be a scout but just not to fail him uh he took it took him about two years to groom to groom me and it tells you a lot how much it takes to actually prepare somebody to be a professional scout right now uh, we live in the era of global gain, like I said. And now we have cent- certain franchises. They have 10, 50, 20 international scouts. They have consultants all over the place. And uh, we, with the Nuggets, Electricals, we are more of, a, more of a close-knit family. We keep everybody involved. We have guys from the States coming over. Uh, everybody is just a scout. And then you have a different specialty. So uh, we just have a different way of going about the business. But... Uh, obviously if you don't improve you regress so in the meantime i had to pick up a lot of things when it comes to analytics uh improve other skills but it's still the same approach you just try to find the best players and it's not only the best players but it's also the best players who feature the best
0: hmm. i think if you look right now nicola Giannis, luca joel and bead that's four of the ten best players in the nba probably four of the eight best players in the nba are we in a golden era right now of international players, or is this just the new normal? And going forward, it's going to be even more talent coming from outside the U.S. In your opinion, I think I think there's going to be even more. I remember, you know, one of the GMs
2: told me one time, "Hey, Ralph, it's ironically was us, you know, guys in the states, even though Dr. Naismith was Canadian, if I'm not mistaken, who discovered the game of basketball, but right. you guys, European, play the right way." You play the way that he invented the game. All five guys share the ball, play together, you play as a unit, you play. All guys are multi-faceted skill set guys. So um, I would say now we are in a golden era. I think it's only going to improve because right now European kids, they have all different platforms and possibilities not only to stay in Europe, to actually accelerate the growth. They can go to Australia, they can go to overtime, they can go to Ignite, they can go to college. So now uh, we, we cannot really afford losing that talent because they have so many options that even European teams, they just if they have somebody who is a stand player, they really take him out with special treatment. So I think there's going to be even more talent. And not to mention that you have a continent like Africa that NBA is investing heavily in, that I think is only on the verge of breakout and there's going to be so many more players coming out of there as well.
0: We're going to have Dechi fall on at some point around training camp time as well. And he's, he does, I know he's obviously connected a lot to African and African scouting. And I've had some great conversations with him about it behind, you know, behind the scenes. And I can't wait to have those conversations with him because I'm so fascinated by that aspect of it, a whole new emerging market specifically for NBA players that I think will be really interesting, but we got to keep it moving, Rafa. And I want to ask you, cause we're going to Serbia here in two days. And one of the reasons we're going, we're filming a documentary, we're making things. One of the central questions I have is, why are the Balkan states so good at basketball? Why do they produce so many basketball players? Do you have a perspective on that and what it is about the leagues, the training, the coaches, the history, the culture that make so many good basketball players from there? Yeah, you know, first of all, I got to say I'm so jealous just because I love Serbia. By the way, it's my,
2: my favorite place in the world. Uh, I it. why, why is it your
1: favorite place in the world? why?
2: Oh man, it's a mixture of everything, but you know it's food, the culture, people, life music, you know and especially summertime, uh, the whole life in a city of Belgrade just gravitates towards the river, all the bars, you know boats and all that stuff it is so nice over there. And I remember one of my first introductions uh, to, to Belgrade to Serbia was August tayyakov which our assistant coach. He actually organized a nice trip for me and he put me with his whole family nobody obviously was speaking any english i was not speaking any serbian we became best friends and uh i felt horrible you know to live in his family like at 10 p.m and i was so stuffed with food they wouldn't let me stop eating uh <laughs> they would always like hand me uh some more alcohol and stuff and I, I just love those type of people they're my people you know so yeah. uh and I, in fact i just booked my trip to to belgrade but it's gonna be in september to scout game over there and just can't wait you know almost like counting down days.
1: We've gotten a taste of Serbian hospitality, and I'm I'm excited to experience it for real. But ever since we announced the trip, we've had so many people reach out, oh, we'll take you on a tour. Oh, we'll put you guys up. So many
0: people, I've had to say no to so many people. Like, no, thank you. Like, we have only so much time. Yeah.
1: So I I can't wait to experience it for real. They take
2: big pride, you know, and especially if you tell them you're a nugget guy. Uh, I, I never use it. But sometimes the guy would like pull me out at the line of the customs and, hey, I know you're working for the Nuggets. Like, okay, special treatment, let's go. <laughs> they, they just love their Nuggets, you know? They love Joker. They love the Nuggets. Uh, they love basketball in general. And you ask me, Adam, uh, what, what's the formula behind their success? I would say first they have great coaching, but I would say it even, it's even more about the culture. They have this culture of togetherness. Uh, it, it's funny because now I, I tell other people, you know, current athletes, to understand them, you gotta understand where they come from. And nowadays in Europe, I don't know if in the states the same. But you say average basketball player is being raised by two women, by his his mother and the teacher in kindergarten or in school. Most of them they don't have that you know male figure in it. And in Serbia, it's all by that you know they have that culture of togetherness. All the guys hanging out together, playing together. They're much more in your face. They're much you know just they hanging out together. They, they it's for them you know to touch themselves to hug, to show their emotions. And it also applies to competing on the basketball floor. You know, they, they have this approach all out. And uh, they, they can be tough. They can be, you know, intimidating. Uh, but they always fear it is a great approach uh, to, to raise a basketball player. And uh, that, that's why there's so many players coming out of there. And I, I guess there's also got to be something in the water just because <laughs> some of these guys are coming out of nowhere and they're just good basketball players.
0: Speaking of coming out of nowhere, when was the first time you heard the name Nikola Jokic? Yeah, you know what? I actually saw him uh, two years before
2: I was hired by the Nuggets. So already at the time, he was in my notebook as a players of interest. Uh, I would lie if I ever, you know, uh, was able to envision the fact he's going to be MVP. I remember looking back and going to my notes. Probably first two or three trips I took to Mega, to his club in Belgrade was for different players and Hmm. he he was uh, others of note he was not even a priority not even a secondary guy i was looking at but like i said you know the the big part of my process is to see those guys develop and improve over a period of time and you would see the guy almost like in a rocky movie you know day one he was able to do 10 push-ups then i come back months later he's doing 50. next thing you know the guy is going shirtless and, and showing his uh his strength you know and that was exactly the process about joker and uh One of my mentors early on told me, when you look for NBA talent, you look for those flashes of excellence. First, it's going to be a single action. Then it's going to be a few possessions. Then it's going to be a quarter. You look for the dominance. Then it's going to be half game. Then it's going to be longer stretches. And with Joker, you could see it right away. There were some things jumping out at you, the way he was able to process the game, the way he saw things coming, the way he was able to pass the ball. He was just different. But a lot of people dismiss him, including myself just because he was that goofy-looking type of guy. And I remember probably the eye-opener for all of us was the moment when he was at the hoop summit. And I remember joking that he was going to pump fake Clint Capella out of the gym, you know? Coming into the event, Clint Capella was much highly ranked, was a much better prospect, and, uh, and Joker just helped play him all week long.
1: But right. well, it's so funny, because when you ask Joker about how he came up, he always says, I've always played the same way, you know? But... Like you're saying, and, and even when you go back and watch the film of him at Mega, he he really was playing the same way. Yeah, you know, sometimes uh, when it's called young kids, you, you cannot be too harsh on them,
2: especially when you look at the turnovers number. I would say, and, and especially Tommy, our assistant GM, is big on it. He always says, okay, he commits a lot of turnovers, at least he tries. If you can clean it up, and you can work with him, and kids, players, they always get better of experience watching the tape, and... Some of them, they don't have the resources that we can offer them at the NBA level. They're always going to get better. So with Joker, that was obviously the case from, from day one. And he he also had a great support. You know, his family, his godfather, his coach, Dan Milojevic, he was pretty much singing his his praises. You know, he was singing his songs. He's been telling me from my very first practice over there, hey, pay attention to this guy. I know, Raf, you came to scout somebody else, but hey, like joker he can be boris diog you know maybe he's gonna be better i don't know but from day one he already loved this player so much that you could see the confidence sometimes the coach can also make or break a player because the confidence he installs in the player also when you look back at the player and i do this quite often you try to have like with a person a family tree you have the coaching tree where the players come from Mm
0: -hmm. and with
2: with, with joker is also a huge part of, of his improvement and his career that he was lucky and fortunate enough to play for coaches who
0: also wanted to bring his best. Right. That's really interesting. Just to clarify real quick, so you saw him when he was he was already at Mega. Is the yeah. first time you saw him? Yeah. And, and was he playing a lot of minutes at, the, at that time, or was he kind of like a, a low-usage player? No, he he was just a practice guy. He was only okay.
2: involved in, in a 12-month roster. And uh, the very first time I saw him on the international scene, was when he represented Serbia at a World Cup uh, U19. That was in 2013. Uh, that was before I was hired by the Nuggets, like I said. But that was already, he was playing against, you know, legit competition. I remember Aaron Gordon, for example, was playing in that tournament as well. Wow. And Joker was just a backup on his team. And obviously, it's so much about the role and the confidence you have from your coach. If you're a backup, you're on a short leash, you're not going to play the way he does. So he was not really himself. But like I said, you could already see some of the flashes and uh, every time i would go back over there to mega to watch him play
0: he was always better is did you do you feel like you learned a lot from going through that with jokic seeing him then seeing him improve then obviously watching him become the mvp the two time mvp do you feel like you've learned something from that experience that now you take forward with you
2: yeah of course you know you, you first you cannot really cross off the guys too early we always say scouting is is a uh, is the art of a uh, of pretty much neglecting of uh, crossing guys off because you're never gonna be right, but you don't wanna be too wrong either. So my job is pretty much to save my organization from a situation that we get ourselves to. That, for example, the guy is locker room locker room cancer, or the guy is gonna have health issues, or his buyout is gonna prevent him from coming over. So you, you always try to eliminate those players, and I, I think, and myself included, at that time. All of us, we did that mistake early on that we just eliminated Joker, you know, too early. We were too harsh on him. There were certain things I would say first, even if the guy is not overly athletic, but he's got positional size, good touch, and nice length, he can overcome the lack of, you know, pop. We say a lot of NBA prospects, they just jump out of that shoe because they right. run jump athletes. But I think especially Joker, he really changed that perception.
1: Hmm. Wow um what are your expectations for him next year i yeah. i know he's he, coming off back-to-back mvps two historic seasons what do you think <laughs> he has in store next season though
2: you know obviously internally as an organization we all want to push him we want to provide him uh, with, with an impulse for him to grow i think he's the guy that he gets better as the competition gets better uh so obviously the goal for us would be to go for it and then play as long as we can hopefully it means in the finals and to win the whole thing. I think uh, he's already proven people he can do so many things uh, that I, I, I don't really know what, what, what else he can really improve, you know, just become a, a better leader. Uh, he pretty much exceeded all the expectations, and now I would say there are no expectations, so let's expect unexpected. I don't know if it means that he's going to start shooting from the ha- half-court line, or I don't know if he's going to have a triple-double for the season, uh, but the most important thing is he doesn't care for that stuff, you know. All he wants to do is just to win basketball games.
0: How many Nuggets games do you get to watch here? Do you watch all 82 games? Yeah,
2: I watch all of them. You know, my, my process is I wake up, I do my breakfast, and then I watch the game. Uh, I don't really stay up late anymore just because I travel so much. You know, most of my flights already jump on a plane, and because of Denver, is uh, I'm eight hours ahead. Um, usually the game is still, like, going into the second half. I'm already traveling somewhere. So sometimes you don't even know what the score is, you know. I'm sweating, and I hope we're gonna win the game. And you just land, you don't even know. So uh, I'm watching pretty much all the game, and that way I can actually stay up to date about the entire league. You know, I have so much responsibilities over here with the international game that I don't have time to watch other teams that much. But in order to be a good NBA scout, talent evaluator, first you gotta know what the finish line is. So you have to know all the NBA players, different players archetypes, what translates. Uh, what is what the packing order with different teams? What's the rotation? Why the guy didn't make it? So that way I can stay on the top of it.
0: Last questions I have for you now are on Ishmael Kamagate, who I'm really intrigued by. He was he was a lot of fun to watch at Summer League. What can you tell us about him? Your scouting of him, and and what do you expect of him this season? What are, what things are you looking for for him in this his his stash year?
2: Yeah, you know Ishmael is a, is a more of a late bloomer. And uh, I think there's some parallels to Joker's situation that some of the people just dismiss him. But you got to know the whole background. You had to have the whole perception of him. The guy five years ago he was just a goalkeeper. He was not even playing basketball. And uh, you know when you look at his career, he's been pretty much playing basketball at the, at the pro level for about three or four years. So he's been still new to the game of basketball. And I, I think the one thing that really sold entire front office and coaching staff on him was when we brought him over to Denver for the workout and he showed much more than he was able to show in real games, you know, switch defense, guarding all over the floor, but most importantly, shooting jump shots, playing away from the basket. I think he's that type of, you know, athletic freak that ideally he could play behind Joker, next to Joker. He could actually make Nikola's life a little bit easier because he could take on some of those defensive assignments. So the goal for him is to stay for at least one more season in Paris, you know, to gain more confidence. And now he's also gonna play EuroCup, which is the second tier international competition. Uh, so he's gonna see some of the great matchups, night in, night out, just to get stronger, more physical, more consistent, and then hopefully be ready to make that next jump and 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 arrive in NBA and represent the Nuggets.
1: Well, that got me excited.
0: (laughs) So so it sounds like confidence and, and and really stepping outside and expanding a little bit more is what you would say you're looking for, like what, maybe the things that you're going to be taking note of this season.
2: Yeah, you know, I want to see him, especially in short goal situations, if he can be a good decision-maker, because right now, I, I think, and you see it with Timberwolves, you know, some of the teams are going to a, more of a two traditional big men lineups, mm. and um, I wouldn't really cross out the possibility that uh, Kamagata could play with Joker. And even if you don't space the floor as a shooter, you can space the floor as a passer, as a rim runner playing out of the dunker. So I I would like to see him more do stuff offensively with the ball, uh, pick pick and pop game a little bit, you know, put on the floor a little bit. And I think defensively, he shows you some great flashes. He was defensive player of the year in France last year. So obviously, I don't know how much he can improve in that aspect, but just being processing things faster defensively not only reading one rotation away, but two, three. You know, we always look at a big man, the way he guards. He doesn't have to only pay attention to his guy, but he almost like a backline defender. you got to watch the whole 5 men, how they move, what the scheme. So I want to see him just be more consistent.
1: Um, Harrison, do um, you have anything else before uh, we hit our next break? I guess my final question for Roth is, like, we have this perception of what – like an international scout is and, and what you do, like, what's something about your job that we would never guess? Oh man. I don't know if I can say it. <laughs> I don't know. It might be too
2: early, you know, in Denver time. No, yeah. I, I'm kidding. <laughs> like I said, I would say, you know, the number of the games that you got to watch there, most of them are so level, uh, such, a, such a low level. And uh, that obviously you always enjoy it. Because you never know you can step into the gym and there might be next joker next Yannis. but it also can get old you know i, I want to say it get boring but you always gotta check and you know pretty much leave no stone unturned but you gotta see all the prospects and only very few of them gonna make it to the league uh i, I would say also the big perk of our job is the ability to travel the whole world see cool places i'm not really a big tourist but I like to wine and dine. I like to go to good restaurants. and So unlike Adam Sandler in Hustle movie, we don't really eat that much fast food, but <laughs> it's, it, we are so fortunate we can go to great restaurants. And uh, most of the time, do it in a nugget expense. do it as a you know a business meeting, take a coach, connect with somebody on a different level. Because I say in this job, the, the real friendship starts at the moment. You talk about different things on basketball. So I was able to make friends pretty much all over the world because of this job.
1: Well, maybe if you were on set for Hustle, they would have switched that part of the script up where he's always <laughs> eating fast food.
0: I think maybe they would have just written him into the show. They would have been the main <laughs> character. <laughs> kick, kick Wancho off. Uh, Rafa, this was a great interview. I really appreciate you taking the time. This was fantastic. It sounds like you have some great food wrecks around B- Belgrade, so you might have to share. If you have a secret tip for us of a place we have to go, um, you'll have to let us know.
2: Man, in Serbia, the food is pretty much good everywhere. So even like your you know, typical around-the-corner store, cannot go wrong. I like uh, I like this restaurant, you know, Bialareca. And I think the one place you guys got to go check out is not a restaurant, but it's a club. And you got to go. And also, people in Serbia, they really like going out. They enjoy spending time oh, together. They like the music. So, you know, Stefan Brown, the, the club, it, 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 you know, is it, it, a classic. You, you got to go there, you know. It, it, if I'm not mistaken, it's on a sixth or seventh floor. And some of the NBA guys, they thought, oh, you got to take the elevator up and leave because they, they had such a good time over there. They didn't know how to leave that place.
1: <laughs> or maybe they didn't want to. <laughs> this is how one of us is not going to make it back. It's this so true. Exactly it's like. so true, man. Uh,
0: Rafael, thank you so much for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Good luck out there over the summer.
2: No, thank you so much, guys. And I hope you're going to have a good time in Serbia. If you're going to need any help, call me. I'm just two hours away from flight. I'll, I'll try to make that emergency a over
1: there good to so know well thank you man thank you
0: hopefully it doesn't come to that thanks so much man have a great one harrison take us away to break on the other side we do have some news and notes the nuggets made a bunch of hires in their scouting department uh here over the last day so we're gonna Oop, there we go so we're, i have some updates on that that i think are actually really interesting about some of the guys they brought in we'll talk about that in segment three
1: ivaca is the new goat in colorado sports that is the greatest of all tv ivaca tv delivers amped up sports coverage for the colorado fan featuring altitude sports at&t Sportsnet, and the nfl network plus they've got tons of other channels as well 60 entertainment channels in total all in crystal clear hd while using less bandwidth so ivaca tv it's it's the present it's the future you got to get set up with it now Turn your home into the ultimate game viewing zone. You can even stream your teams from your phone or laptop or tablet with Ivaca TV. It's only twenty five dollars a month plus a five dollar receiver fee. But right now, Colorado sports fans can get ten dollars off per month for your first three months with the code Colorado Ten. So go to Ivaca.tv TV slash Colorado Ten to oh, get that what promo. What, what, I
0: want to. I'm going to interject. Um, Harrison. Oops. Uh. We're Ivaka and DNVR becoming increasingly partnered oh. uh, here. And we have some big announcements. So if you are on the fence right now about, is, is you wanna try out Ivaka this or that, maybe some exclusive DNVR content, I'm just teasing this. There may oh. be some exclusive DNVR content on Ivaka uh, wow. before long that I think will be pretty cool.
1: Wow, Yes. Yeah, so go to ivaka.tv slash Colorado 10. Get TV uh, for $10 off a month for those first three months. No contracts, no catches, no hidden fees. That's what TV is all about. Uh, Also, our friends at FOCO, got to shout them out. They've got you covered with the best Colorado merchandise. Uh, Head on over to FOCO.com or click the link below in the YouTube description. All non-presale items at FOCO.com. You can get 10% off with the code DNVR. That's good for all non-presale items. Use the promo code DNVR for 10% off at FOCO.com. They've got you covered with the best Colorado merchandise. Uh, Nuggets, Avalanche, Rockies, Buffs, Rapids, they've got it all. FOCO.com.
0: All righty, back here. Final segment, DNVR Nuggets. I I would call this a must-listen
1: episode. Um, Already, just a must-listen episode. Wouldn't you say Wind? Yeah. I mean, that was an incredibly impressive interview. I'm not going to lie. Like, I don't know if you'll find somebody in basketball that's more like detailed in his approach than Raffle. And I, I think that came across in that interview. Like the guy is just on it. There's no question
0: that it's funny when he was talking about, it's always funny when you ask somebody about like, you know, what makes a good journalist, what makes a good this or that. Sometimes the things they, the list off the things that they think, the thing he didn't say that definitely came across as he was talking was that level of detail. Like, yeah, I think a lot of people can watch games, take notes, do this or that, but holding that information and filing it properly in your brain, as well as filing it physically in the right spots is so I've got to imagine is so important. And to his point, you go and scout two, three guys. But you really are scouting twenty guys. You just have to take notes on everyone and and be able to pull those years later in some cases. So yeah, I scouting
1: is things. so much more than just watching a guy play basketball. Like that—that's <laughs> what we think it is on the surface level. Like, oh yeah, i I've been scouting Kendrick Kendrick Williams for the last couple of years with the Thunder. Like I think he'd be a good fit on on the Nuggets. But like, right. he could be sure. But did I talk to his high school coach? Did I talk to his college coach? Do I know what his family's like? Those are all integral components of scouting that we just don't think about. And
0: filtering what parts are more important in each situation, you know, yeah. like being able to filter through that. Um, the Nuggets made a bunch of hires here over the last little bit, or at least they were announced over the last little bit. Mike Singer wrote an article over at Denver Post uh, revealing the names of all of the people. We know, you know, John Wallace uh, departed. We know that uh, Joe Conley departed over to Minnesota And I saw a lot of conversation about. I'm curious, is this, are there more people coming in than going out? What have you? Denver ended up hiring uh, a handful of people. I'm going to run through these really quickly. Drew Nicholas, Jared Jeffries. um, Let me see what else I have. Todd Chekovich, Chad Iske, Jared Stevenson, Mike Penberthy. Um, Those are the names that I have listed down of people that Denver hired. And almost all of them are scouts primarily. Now, I have Hmm. some little bit of details here you know jared jeffries was in the nuggets front office years back he left to become like a i believe like a partial owner of an esports company yeah a very lucrative deal and so now he's back so this is a new hire that's kind of a new old hire jared jeffries has had already been been in the organization you have any thoughts on and by the way he'll be a scout and i'll believe you know like not that there anybody is put in a box but he's a West coast guy. Like he'll be like a West coast college scout primarily um, obviously doing a bunch of other things, but with that emphasis.
1: Yeah. Former player with, which is interesting from what I know about Jared Jeffries, he's the type of guy who just knows everybody too. He's got a lot of connections across the league, both from a basketball standpoint. And I think from a business standpoint too. So he's like, he he's the guy, he's the connector. Like he knows everybody, Jared Jeffries.
0: Jarrett Stevens, um, another pro scout, he's coming in. Uh, a guy that goes back quite a ways with Cal, um, you know, a guy that he's known for a while. This is one of the big things about guys going out, guys coming in. You know, John Wallace was a guy Tim Conley hired. Joe Conley, obviously, his brother. is not necessarily surprising moves, you know, when you look at some of the, you know, a guy brings somebody in that's their guy. You know, this is a Cal guy. This is a guy that Calvin knows is very comfortable with. Uh, and has worked with and has worked as a pro, a pro scout. So it's sort of a new guy in charge. Who are the guys that he has maybe had even in his mind for years about like, hey, if I ever got a job, this would be one of my guys. That would be Jared Stevens.
1: Do you have any notes on him? Well, all I'll say is like people departing a front office when there is a change at the top, like that's expected. That That's the type of thing that can happen all the time. I think now what we're going to see is Calvin Booth has the chance to fill this front office with his type of guys. Right. Like that, that's what these guys seem like to me. You know, Tim Conley played, you know, the biggest hand in hiring the front office that has been here the last couple of years. Now, I think Calvin Booth gets a chance to bring in some of his guys. But there's even a specific thing I'm going to
0: get to at the end here as I put these up that I think is even more about Calvin sort of putting his stamp on, on the organization. Mm-hmm. Um, Chad, and I might be getting this name wrong, Chad Iskay or Chad Iskay. Uh, It's funny. He's actually a Nuggets assistant coach like 10 or 11 years ago. Um, so he's a guy that is actually returning to the Denver Nuggets' organization. And he, I believe, will have like – he's another scout will be primarily an East Coast scout. But again, these lines blur. They're not just like, hey, you're only there, but kind of an emphasis on the East Coast of college scouting. Here's where it gets kind of interesting. You get um, Todd Chekovich, who would be another scout, another guy that is connected and just knows a lot of people. I think he's a Villanova guy, like a a Mm. former Villanova player. Um, He will also be a cap strategist. He's also like a cap guru. So he'll be a a scout, but also have this secondary job of – Uh, of sort of advising on on cap strategy. And then the one that's most interesting, at least in my opinion, Mike Pernbethy, who's coming over from the Lakers and he is a shooting coach. Now, here's what's interesting about him. When I talked to Cal... After the draft, you know, a while back, one of the things he talked about was, hey, we really want to have an emphasis on shooting development. Like this is a thing that we feel is going to be very important and mm-hmm. we'll be regimented about that. And he said, and we have a plan in place, something to the, to the extent of, you know, we have some plans in place for that. So I think this is one of those hires that has, you know, probably been on his mind, if not already sort of agreed upon or, or you know, so it's it, some capacity. Of we need to bring somebody in that is focused on the shooting aspect of player development specifically and there's been different guys mark price or whatever i was gonna
1: say yeah the the mark price experiment experiment i don't think that went too well he was only here for a season well
0: the thing about mark price is mark price is a great shooter
1: but i don't I, i don't remember if he would have been a
0: coach to that point or if he had been like a shooting specialist and You know, Denver, the Nuggets are making an investment here, not just in somebody who is going to be a scout slash shooting coach, but they also are making an investment. I don't think this has been reported anywhere. They're also making an investment in some shooting technologies that that should help aid in their way. They track, develop and tweak different players who are working to develop their shooting. And I'm thinking in particular of guys like Jack White, who, you know, shooting is going to be a big make or break skill for him. I want to talk about Mm -hmm. him in a second. Um, because I have an update actually on his record that that we've that has been much talked about over the last few days, um, but also Peyton Watson is the big one to me. Like Peyton Watson becoming a three point shooter might completely not just make or break him, but might make or break the way we look at this specific draft. And Denver not just hiring a guy that's like, hey, can we make him a three point shooter, but putting things in place, both you know this technology, bringing in a shooting coach but also just making it a structure of saying, hey, no, we have a way we're going to do. We're not just going to throw it out there and say, hey, everybody, emphasis on shooting. No, there's an actual plan in place of, hey, we want this to be an area of focus and we have a process in place for how we believe to best accomplish that.
1: Yeah, I love that. And especially, like you were saying, how it pertains to this draft class. Like, that's exactly what Peyton Watson needs. When you think about Christian Brown, I think Christian Brown is going to be a good shooter. He might be able to be a great shooter if he has, you know, the, the tools around right. him, the resources around him that he needs to succeed. I imagine whatever
0: technologies you have that are that are measuring the mechanics of your shot or whatever, they're going to say, hey, uh, Christian Brown, we need like a 20% increase on your arc. <laughs> he shoots those <laughs> balls like 10.3 feet in the air, man. Those are darts. Yeah. Um, so things like that. So I'm kind of you know, you never know how this stuff works. Every team has a different approach to how they go about shooting. But what I think is interesting about all these hires, so first of all, it is a net positive in terms of numbers of scouts. Like Denver lost a couple, right. but they gained even more. So this is a net positive. But more to the point, one of the things we keep hearing, even we heard it from Rafal today, you know, and this is not a quality thing, not like one method is better or worse, but one of the difference I think going from Tim to going to Calvin Is that Calvin is very much about structure and about, you know, putting things like rather than just, hey, we all do everything and we'll all get together. There's a little bit more structure of, hey, you're in charge of this aspect of the job, this aspect of the job and what have Mm -hmm. you. And I think you see that with how many scouts they they're bringing in, how they're giving them sort of specific areas of expertise, you know, to kind of bring to the table. But then also with the shooting stuff, a lot more of a, hey, it's not just a topic of discussion there's a plan in place. This is how we develop shooting. And we're going to try it out. Whether again, it's not a quality thing to say this is better or worse, but it is a philosophical thing that I think we're starting to see. That's like, that's interesting. Let's see how it plays out.
1: I guess we're going to find out. Can Michael Porter Jr. actually become a better shooter? <laughs> we, we might find that out. Uh, I'm excited to, to see what happens, but uh, I guess that's on the table now. This is though, you know, this is like player development
0: for Jokic's rookie season, where I'm sure they were sure. like teaching him things, and then at a certain point early on, they're like, you know, you don't actually need my advice. You're you're <laughs> good on. We don't need to go passing drills. I
1: think you're good on passes. <laughs> Let's just. Uh, <laughs> uh here, here here's the read you should make from uh, the elbow. Uh, you yeah. probably know what to. He's what to like look for. actually
0: what you're not seeing, and he's like, wow, crazy. And I think it's the same for Michael Porter. I imagine that there's a lot of. Yeah, Mike knows what he's doing with shooting. Let's. Uh, yeah, he's good I, there. I, yeah, I was being a little fishy uh, she's yeah. there. Um, I do have this, so we'll end on this because I thought it was a fun note. Uh, so Jack White does have the record holder. They have I can't remember what it's called. I should have written this down when I when I heard it. It's like the Nuggets one hundred or something, where you take a hundred shots, and all of the shots are off of movement, so they're not just like. We've seen them do shooting drills, right? You catch five in the corner, then five. No, this is a drill where you actually have movement built into the drill. So you're always catching it on the move and then going up. Apparently, Jack White, and this is a drill they've done for a long time. They continue. Everybody in the organization knows this drill because they all do it frequently. Okay. Jack White currently is the record holder. 83 out of 100 he made. And I asked, wow. first of all, it's I tell people this all the time, Jack White, not a shooter. <laughs> like, no, this, he, this he's level. never been a shooter. Never been a shooter, but this is what I tell people about NBA players. I've watched Mason Plumley drain free throws. Like I we watched Wancho Aaron and Gomez go like nine of ten over and over and over again on threes. Like these guys are ridiculous level three like athletes and shooters and everything else. The difference between so when guys go to the rec center and they shoot in the corner and they make 10 in a row and they're like, I could have been in the league if I was a little taller. Like, I think people underestimate how many NBA players make. 50 out of a hundred threes in an empty right. gym. And actually it's usually a lot more than that. 83 for Jack white. And I asked like, is that number pretty good? But this
1: is like, Oh no, that'll be broken.
0: Like that's just the early record. He's, he's holding the early record, but when Jamal gets back, I'm sure he'll break it.
1: Wait, but I, I thought you said this is a drill that they've done forever.
0: I think this is a, this season record. Okay. This this season. is like, yeah, like it resets. We got a new, this season record gotcha. and it's 83. Um, and by the way, they have a couple of these. I don't think there's only one shooting drill. There's like free throw competition. Drill. There's a lot of different ones. But yeah, the every team has them. like drill. you always
1: hear when a draft guy goes to Boston and they're like, oh, he, he made ninety five out of 100 threes." <laughs> like every, every team has them. Yeah, you know? it's so ridiculous, man. But these guys are awfully good. So eighty three, the current record from Jack White.
0: But I imagine Bones, Michael Porter, Jamal Murray are going to be gunning for that record. Michael in-
1: Porter, one hundred out of one hundred. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey man him or, him or jamal we'll be interested to see uh to see what happens that does it for a great edition of today of the dnvr nuggets podcast guess what harrison we have one show left to do before we take get on a plane and hop off and by the way programming note tomorrow's show you didn't even know this harrison you didn't even know this kale Tomorrow's show 3 p.m the Nuggets, I don't know if you know this, the schedule comes out at 1 o'clock. We're going to want to talk I've, about I've that. I've been
1: hearing that the schedule is coming out for the well, last couple of days. I think
0: 90% of the schedule has come out one tweet at a time, but it'll come out all together at 1 o'clock tomorrow. And then also tomorrow, Jokic is playing. Will it be on TV? Will it be on an illegal stream? We don't know. <laughs> but in the event that we are able to watch it, we, of course, will want to talk about it tomorrow on tomorrow's show. So tomorrow's show, 3 o'clock p.m., Uh, and it'll be our last show before we hop on a plane and head over to meet the beautiful people of serbia hit that like button on the way out share this if you're on social media you guys give us a retweet this i thought was a great show so give us a quote tweet or retweet or what have you and let the masses know this was a can't miss one if you're a diehard denver nuggets fan we'll see everybody tomorrow